Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, so glad that you're with us. Especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, is I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. My hope is you come back and try us a few times. Um, today, we are doing something unique, and we don't do this every weekend. You're like, what kind of church is this? This pastor wears Christmas crazy sweaters, and all these people are. But we do this uh, once a year. We actually have a, our ugly Christmas sweater weekend. And so if you participated, this is your time to shine. Stand up like a Christmas tree. Come on and show everybody what you be wearing. Come on, just have some fun real quick. Everybody just take a look. Do a little spin so that everybody can see you. There you go. Everybody can see it. There you go. You had your moment of fame. Isn't that awesome? That we all get to do it. And so um, I wore, um, people have been asking me about my sweater. Um, it is a Star Wars sweater. So that's an Ewok, you know, upside down. So you can kind of see the Star Wars on the back. And so I have something different every year. And this is the one that I chose because, well, Pastor Jason has Star Wars stuff. And I like him. And he's cool. So I try to be like him. So uh, I wore that today. But uh, we are continuing and wrapping up our series uh, called The Christmas Table. Um, and we've been walking through the idea. We've really been using the table as a metaphor for your life. But during Christmas time, our lives can get pretty crazy and wild. And so week one, we talked about the idea of setting the table. You know, anytime you look at a table, you want to set it for to eat and to actually be and have an experience there. And we talked about really in week one, how to set the table of your life, how to have a great Christmas season. And a lot of times setting the tone and having the right atmosphere and what you do and going into a, a, a situation like Christmas can be kind of stressful. And so how you set the tone of places can be helpful. And so we talked about that in week one. Week two, we talked about last week, we talked about now you set the table, you can eat at the table. And we talked about having a healthy diet during Christmas. And we talked about limiting the sweets, adding protein, and maybe having some portion control. I know that sounds weird maybe right now, but go back and watch the YouTube or the Spotify. Or we're on every podcast podcast platform everywhere. Um, check it out. It's, I, I think it would be worth your time. But today, we're going to wrap up today with what we kind of looked at in that video about connecting at the table, really what our words and how our words affect what our lives are really like. And if you have your Bibles, it's going to be Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be. If you don't know anything about the Bible, it's broken up into two primary sections. So it's a collection of books. And the first half is um, uh, the Old Testament. The second half is kind of the New Testament. And in the New Testament is where we're going to be at today. It starts off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are what we call gospels or life of Jesus. And we're going to be in the book of Luke today in uh, Luke chapter 6. And the context of what's happening is Jesus has started his ministry and he's preaching um, the greatest sermon ever preached, honestly. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because he preached it from a mountaintop. It's not that difficult or complicated, but he was preaching from the mountaintop to actually speak and to actually, because there was no speakers or you know microphones. And he gets up on the mountain and he starts talking. He starts off the uh, sermon with the Beatitudes, is what some church people call it, or just blessed are the, and then he talks about several people are blessed uh, or to be happy in the kingdom. Uh, and then he talks about uh, you know judging people and how to judge and what that actually means. And then he talks about loving your enemies. And he gets to this part of, of his sermon where he starts to speak about sowing and reaping in our words. And so um, I'm going to read it for you in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. You can follow along in your Bible, or it'll be up on the screens here for you. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Verse 45, he says, a good man brings good things out of good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And he says this, and you probably have heard this before. Maybe your grandma told this to you as you were growing up, or you heard some 
fiery preacher preached it at one point. And he said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or you might have heard the translation, from out of the, mouth, uh, from out of the heart the mouth speaks. And he, he says this idea, and he introduces this moment where he says, really, our, our words are diagnostic of what's happening in our hearts. And we must, and, but, but the truth of the matter is, we're, whatever comes out of your mouth, we've got to be really careful with them. Words absolutely matter. They have lasting impact, and we really have to be careful with them because what we say really does help determine a lot of our life. And so with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I'm so grateful that we're here in your house. I love that song at the end, Lord, just pro- proclaiming our love for you and, and how much we love you and where our hearts really are adored towards you. And I just want this church to always be built on you. I pray that I would get out of the way today. And I know I've, I've made a message and, and put my notes together, but Holy Spirit, I'm praying right now that you would make those words powerful, impactful. I pray that you would reach the hearts of people today uh, as, we, as we open up your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, we're going to play a little game here. This is going to be Interactive Church today, Interactive Church. We're going to play a little game, and I'm going to put up a quote, a famous quote of something somebody said, and you can shout out who you thought actually said that. We played this game in the first... Uh, uh, first week, uh, service today, and uh, it was, I'll just say this, it was interesting. So we'll, we'll, we'll go at it, and we'll see how it goes. So we'll do the first one here, and we'll, uh, we can read it together if you want. It says, I came, I saw, I conquered. Does anybody know who said that? Anybody? Anybody know who said that? Anybody? Who, who said that? Who? Who said that? Julius Caesar. All right, there you go. You got it. You won. Point goes to that person over there. I don't know who it was because the lights are blinding me. Number two, number two, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Anybody? Come on, shout that out if you know FDR, FDR, that's right, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There you go. You got it right. There we go. All right, we're going to keep going. This will be fun. We're going to get us some fun ones. Here we go. Say hello to my little friend. Anybody want to tell me who said that? Al Pacino? Who was the real guy who said that? Tony Montana. That's right. That's right. Al Pacino. How do you all know that movie? Y'all shouldn't be watching movies like that. Just kidding. All right, uh, we'll go to the next one. We'll go to the next one. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Who, who, who said that? Who said that? Neil Armstrong. That's a good one. That's, that seems kind of easy. All right, let's keep going. How about this one? How about this one? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Anybody? All right, Kennedy. Yeah, John F. Kennedy. All right, there we go. All right, one more, one more. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Who said that? Who said that? Martin Luther King. Believe it or not, most of the first service screamed out Jesus. I'm like, Jesus did not say that. I mean, it sounds like something Jesus would say, but it's not what Jesus said. Side note, um, my wife and I, we were traveling recently. We were driving, uh, flying through the Atlanta airport, and in the Atlanta airport, there is a, um, they have a, a kind of a display of stuff they've taken from the Martin Luther King Museum, and you can see kind of his watch and some, his Bible, and they have a great, they have a really cool display of all of his famous quotes, and just reading them. I mean, I'm telling you, I was like moved to tears as we were just reading all of the things that he had to say about life and our culture and our country and Jesus and God, I mean, he's a believing, he was a pastor. And I just loved, um, I was just moved to tears. But one of the things that really was moving was all of his famous quotes, all the things that he had, that he had said, and how it really just stood out to me how important what we say really does last and stand the, the test of time, and, and that our words carry so much weight. And I'm, I'm really, honestly, I'm guilty of this. This sermon has been so, um, as I was putting it together, it's been very convicting for me because I feel like um, one of the things that God has given me is a gift of, of, of words and communication, but I'm not always careful with my words. I'm not always um, mindful. I'm not always intentional. I'm not always careful. 
with what I say or who I say it to or, or the manner with which I reflect the Lord in my words. I'm, I'm, I'm convicted by many of the things that I say. And so I, I thought as I put together this message, really, I wanted to maybe highlight three lies I think we believe about our words that kind of lead us into some really tough situations in our life. Because you and I, um, we can believe truth about things. We can believe lies about things. There's, there's truth and there's lies. And if we can identify the lies of our, of our words, then my goal is, is we can know, if know something a lie, we can identify the truth and live a better life for it. That's, that's kind of the goal that we want to do today. So no, the, the, with that as our backdrop, I'll just give you three lies about our words. Number one, number one is this. Uh, the first lie that you and I believe is that we can say whatever we want. It's amazing that if you look at the landscape of our culture, especially now, that we really believe in our hearts, honestly, we can say whatever we want. Now, we know that's actually not true, but we still act like it's true. We believe it's true, but we know in our hearts it's not true. I mean, let's be honest. You can't say bomb on an airplane, all right? You can't scream fire in a theater. You can't threaten to kill the president. You can't. There's some things you really can't say. And what you say, come on, really does matter. In fact, I would say this. You know this to be true because if you have a family in here and if you have kids, there's some things that you like. We don't say that, Right? Like, you teach them the language. You teach them what they can say, what they can't say. In fact, if you sit in our house and you watch a movie, if you were to sit in our house and watch a movie with me and my children, most often than not, you will hear probably at least one time in our house, we will scream out, we don't say that. I don't know if y'all do that with your kids. Does anybody do that? Like, you'd be watching something, some, somebody will come up and say something crazy. You'd be like, we don't say that. That's the, we don't say those words in this house. So we highlight what we cannot and will not say. Why? Because what we say does matter. I had a funny situation happen uh, just a few days ago. We were out at a giant kind of amusement park. It was Christmas-themed, and we're all sitting around my family. We're all hanging out, and um, we were eating dinner, and my boys were all sitting around. I have five young boys. They're all learning how to do things. My little eight-year-old son, Judah, says, Dad, 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 and I'm eating my nachos. He said, Dad, look at Grammy. And he said, Dad, look at Grammy. He calls his, 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 my mom Grammy. And he said, I've got a picture of her. I wanted to show you. She didn't know I'm going to do this. She's actually sitting on the front row. But I'm going to show so had So she had this picture. And uh, if you all see her sweater, she was wearing a black sweater. So her, her sweater is an illumination sweater. And then she has a, a, uh, a mom, it's okay. It's, uh, she has a sweater. She's on the front. She, she, has a, uh, she had a shawl that sheds, right? Like y'all ladies have like those fluffy, you know, how many of y'all have those like sheddy sweaters? You know what I'm talking about? And so she's wearing this sweater. And so she, she goes, and so my son goes, Dad, I'm eating my nachos. She goes, Dad, look, it looks like a dog shed. Dog shed. Dad, Dad look, dog shed. I was like, what? What'd you say? She goes, he goes, dog shed. Dog shed right there. Dog shed. I go, what'd you say? I get up like, yeah, yeah, your kids ever say something? You're like, what? What? You say, what? What did you say? Dog shed. Dad, dog shed. Right? I go, what? And my wife goes, shed. Like the dog sheds? Like, like he sheds on a, it's a dog shed. I said, oh, okay. Because I was about to be like, we don't say that. And as he better come correct, I don't care if we out at the you know, amusement park, you better watch your mouth. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get got. And so he, he goes, Grammy, Grammy's got dog shed on her. I said, no, no, that's not how you say that. Right? I said, that's not how you say that. The dog has, was shedding the fur. You know, I had to walk him through it, right? Because it matters. Why? Why does that matter? Because it matters what you say. It matters. What, if I was to get up on this platform right now and say something wild and crazy, you would probably be like, Mah. and some of y'all are like, you got a little close to that pastor. You got a little close. Got a little close to, but, but like at the end of the day, like just so you know, free speech is an American thing. It's not necessarily a Christian thing. Like, like, so, so, like, I love America. Like, I, 
I, I love the United States of America. I love our country. I, I'm, I love the fact that we have a church that serves our military, and most of our church is military and armed forces, and it's an honor for me to be a pastor at a church that serves the military, that serves our country. I love America. I, I'm the United States. You will not find anybody more American than me. However, I pledge allegiance to America second to Christ. So I'm a Christian first. So like the lowest common like theme and like gauge for communication for me is not America. It's not I'm free to say whatever I want, which is if you look on social media and live in the world that we're at, that's everybody's gauge. Well, I'm free to say whatever I want. When you're in a kingdom, you submit everything to the kingdom, including your words. So my words aren't even my own. My words are words of the king. I reflect the king of the kingdom that I'm a part of. And so when Jesus came down, even, just, even Christians do this. They'll be like, well, I don't, I don't do it because it's sin. That's the lowest common gauge for you to do something or not do something. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. That just means you're religious. Because Jesus was notorious for actually coming in and going, oh, that's the standard for religion? Let me make it higher for you. Because he would say stuff like, oh, they, they, he told you, like, don't hate your enemies. That's what Moses said. Moses said that. That sounds good. Uh, how about this? You should love your enemies. That's harder. So he would do stuff like that all the time. So your gauge for your, your, your communication should not be, well, I'm American. The Bill of Rights says I can say whatever I want. Because the truth of the matter is, if you are a Christian, you can't. Because you reflect the king. So the question you have to ask yourself is, who, who do you reflect on social media? You know why I stay off of it for most of my life? It's because when I get on it, I'm embarrassed, not by non-Christians, because non-Christians act like non-Christians should act. I'm embarrassed because Christians act crazy on social media. The best is to watch a Christian get mad at a non-Christian for acting non-Christian. That's the best. Because people will come up to me, Pastor, don't you have something to say about this particular issue? About that person who said this, and they voted like this, and they said something about this, and did you see what Tucker said on Fox News, and then you saw what Don Lemon said on CNN, and they were saying stuff, don't you have something to say? And I'm like, hmm, so what you're saying is, somebody who's not a follower of Jesus acted like they didn't follow Jesus? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And then you got on your comment thread with your Christian symbol on your avatar. <laughs> causing fights and arguing with folk. In the next door app of your neighborhood. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Talking about your Facebook group of your neighborhood. And you're like, you have been labeled as that guy, right? Because you don't pay attention to your words. You can't say whatever you want. You can't say whatever you want. How do you talk to people at stores? We're so concerned. It's like, I'll talk to some people, and they're so concerned with, like, heaven and hell and, like, future they forget the present. Maybe talk about you need to talk about sin, Pastor. While they're they themselves 
cannot see their own sin. How do you talk to your family when they come through? Do you just say whatever you want? When your kids come home, they went out of their way to bring their family into your house, and the first thing that you say to them is something discouraging, where they failed you, or you guilted them. Thanks for showing up. Wish I could have some grandbabies. How about this year, guys? Are you going to make that casserole? No onions, please. I mean, I'm preaching to myself. What, what do we, what do we, what do our, you can't say whatever comes to your mind. I'm surprised, like, we don't reflect this better. Now, this is, this, Psalms 141, I like what David says, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, set a guard over my mouth. Some of us need some guards on our mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Y'all's, somebody's lips, some of y'all's lips just be flapping. It's embarrassing. I'm just like, I don't have an influence over a lot of people, you know, like our church, you know, we got 1,500, 1,700 people call church home, and, and we got like a lot, you know, it's, it's relatively small considering the size of the city and our country. I don't have a lot of influence, but if I could just ask you, watch your mouth. Somebody y'all need to set a guard over your mouth. Why? Why is this important? Because our, our words give life or they give death. Yeah. Proverbs 18, they, go, they say a, a bunch, verse 21, just jump to verse 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. If you don't like what you're seeing in your life, you better check what you're saying. I, I grew, it's amazing. I was telling my wife, she don't believe me, but I was telling my wife, like, I grew up, and like when I went to school, like you had to watch your mouth. Otherwise, somebody watch it for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it would seem like the world has lost consequence to react, like consequence to your actions. Because if I ran my mouth, I remember growing up, my mama, she'd be, you know, if I said something right, pat, watch your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Some of us don't have a filter. We just say whatever comes to our minds. And a lot of that stuff is negative. It's death words. You should be saying negative things about people. I read a, a story. I wanted to read it to you. Rabbi Joseph Teleskin, author of Words That Hurt and Words That Heal, is lectured throughout this country on um, the powerful and often negative impacts of our words. He often asks the audience if they can go 24 hours without saying anything unkind about or to another person. Inevitably, a small number of listeners raise their hands saying, shouting out, yes. Others laugh, and quite a few call out no. But Teleshkin always responds with this, and I thought this was a great quote. He says, those who can't answer, yes. Those who can't answer, yes. I'll read it for you. You must recognize you have a serious problem. If you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. So if you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, then you've lost control over your tongue. And I just think that we have to think about, it might be fun this year, ask your wife to highlight every time you say something negative. That could be fun. <laughs> Bringing people together, one <laughs> argument at a time. Rise, church. Maybe ask your kids. 
your boss, your coworkers. You ever ask your coworkers if, you, if you're a positive or negative person? Like, there's nothing cool about me being a negative person. Y'all realize that, right? There's nothing God-honoring about being a negative person. Like, well, I like just try to bring the other side. No, no, there's nothing cool about you bringing a moment down because of your words. But be careful. Number two, number two is this. If, um, this, is, this is one, this is a lie. If you're only joking, it doesn't count. Like, this is the Pastor Aaron point of the day. Because some of us, are stuck in my little routine where you ever get into a point where you say something, you didn't mean that, you didn't want to say that, but you said it anyway, and then you go, oh, 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 I was just kidding. Anybody, anybody other than Pastor Aaron in here? One, two, three, okay. This is our point to get. We say a lot of things that, you know, like, we're, because we're not careful, we think the umbrella of I was just kidding makes it better. But the truth is, is, is it really doesn't. And sarcasm is uh, usually hostility disguised as humor. And you got to be careful with your words because if they're always sarcastic in nature, I really, honestly, I sat back um, this last year, one of my kind of goals for the year was to be less sarcastic. Now, I would have to ask my staff or my team if I, <laughs> if I accomplished that or not. But um, I really, I, I felt like I, sarcasm was not, I think because my insecurity of my life led me to being so jokey, um, did not produce the best version of myself. And um, sarcasm, just so you know, the Greek root word for sarcasm is uh, sarkeesan. It actually means to tear or to strip the flesh off. I just wonder if you're, if you, if you knew what your sarcasm does. Some of y'all are like known as a sarcastic person. Uh, you know, you, you should ask the people around you if you, they like to know you like that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, so much of interpersonal relational conflict sometimes comes from the sarcastic um, things that sound aggressive but feel passive. What's there? Is there a statement for that? Is there a term for that? Oh, passive aggressive. <laughs> and and you you say things that you say, oh, I didn't mean that, but you still said them. They still carry weight. Proverbs twenty six says, like a maniac shooting flames. Flaming arrows of death is one who deceives this, their neighbor and says, I was only joking. <laughs> I'm like, they found a verse about Pastor Aaron. <laughs> Called me a maniac shooting flaming arrows. I need to make an adjustment. I'm not saying that we don't joke in relationships or there's not levity. I'm, I think we can have humor. But I do think there's a difference between that. There's a fine line between that and being sarcastic and passive aggressive all the time. Because the truth is, we're accountable for our words. You and I are accountable for our words, not just in the present, but in the future. I want to read you something, Matthew chapter 12. He says, but I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account for it on the day of judgment. Now, if you had to bring an account for the things that you do on a regular basis one day to God, which we do, that matters. You know that. And he says, for by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. This is a big deal. If God cares enough to put it in the Bible for us, to... you can't just say stuff and say, I was joking. It doesn't make it better. In fact, I, I, when I was younger, um, my wife and I had just gotten married. We had our, our twins. So we got married, we got pregnant, had twins right away. So our, our life started out crazy. And um, I remember at one point in our life, I was sitting in a counseling office one step away from divorce 
One step. We were thinking about how we were trying to plan it out. How many of y'all know it's bad when you're planning out your divorce? And it all rooted, you know what it all rooted in? Honestly, it all rooted in the idea that I was too sarcastic and always said, I would make a comment about her family. I would make a comment about her life. I'd make a comment about what she liked or something. And then I would hurt her feelings. I would hurt her. And then I would say, I was just joking. That's what it all came down to. And I would be like, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just joking. It's not a big deal. No, no. I still said it. There was still pain attached to it. I, if I walk up to you and slapped you in the face. And then I was like, I was just kidding. No big deal. Would you be like, oh, I'm not offended at all. <laughs> God bless you. No, you wouldn't. Some of y'all would slap me back. Depending on what country or city you came from, part of the country, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all would not say anything. Some of y'all would cry and go talk about me behind my back, go post about something. Some of y'all would ask me a question, deep theological question. Would Jesus do that? You know, some of y'all, we all have different reactions. I mean, I get it. But like, just saying you're kidding doesn't make it better. The quality of our life is reflected in the quality of our words, period. Last one is this, and I'm done. It says, our words and our, this is the last lie we believe. We believe, it's, I'm so, it's crazy how sometimes, especially if you're a Christian, that our words and our faith aren't linked. We think that we can believe and serve God and say whatever we want. Speak however we want. Talk however we want. And it's just not true. Mark chapter 11 says this. So Jesus answered him and said this. I, it's amazing. I, felt, I thought this passage of scripture was so good because Jesus just highlights the power of our words. He says, have faith in God. There's our faith. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He says, says, whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whoever, whatever these things you, you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will receive them. He's highlighting the value of words as a follower of Christ. He's saying you activate your faith by speaking to things. That there's power in your words when you are a Christ follower and you can say to that mountain, move, and the mountain would be moved. Because our faith and our words are attached. Even when you give your life to Jesus, Romans 10.8 even talks about this, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our what? With our mouths that Jesus is Lord, then we are saved. Your, you and our salvation is attached to our words. That we don't earn it in any way. We simply accept it with our words. God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you that even though I'm not good enough, you're good enough. God, thank you that when I felt like I was lost, you found me. God, thank you for what you've done. When you speak it out, your salvation, your faith is activated. Your faith matters with your words. And they work together in two ways. Our faith in God matters with our words. When you, when you pray, when you worship. I'm not saying you can't get in your prayer closet and, and, and pray in your head. Don't think legalistic about this. I'm just giving you, I'm giving you the principles to, to how it works. That there's a power in confession of your mouth to your, to your God. And when you pray, you speak it. You're not telling him things he doesn't know. He's a daddy who wants to hear the voice of his kids. 
He's building relationship with you and me. You know one of my favorite things in the world, in all the world, honestly, is to hear my kids' voices. I love it when they come and ask me questions, for the most part. <laughs> right? Sometimes you be like, you're done. Questions quota is out. You, you have no more questions. I told my kid the other day, I said, son, you're done with your question. Your question quota is done. I got one more question, Dad. No, you don't, because there's one, and then there's two, and there's 18 later. I'm done. I love to hear my kids' questions. I love to hear their voice. I just want to hear. Why do I want to hear their voice? Their question. A lot of times, the question they ask me, I already know the question they're about to ask me. You know, that? like y'all parents, y'all know we have like psychic abilities. We can we can think. I already know what you're gonna ask. All right, they saw the cookie. I already know what you're gonna ask. <laughs> but I want to hear their voice. It's my son's voice. When we worship, there's a difference between. I'm just telling you, there's a difference between playing worship on your phone and standing in the house of God and singing with other people. There's a, there's a difference. I'm grateful for technology. I'm thankful that I can listen to it on the way to work. But it's different when I'm in here. It's different when I show up early <laughs> slash on time. Group hug. And we come in without stress and worry and we give our kids to the kids people because they are gifted in teaching our children the word of God. And they're blessing our kids and loving our kids and, and, and celebrating our kids and teaching them Jesus. And then you come in, you get your coffee and your little bit of your water and you say hi to your friends and your people because they're your people, your spiritual family. You walk in and then there's room enough to breathe before the worship starts and you're ready and you're prepared. Why? Because you're tilling the soil of your heart so that when you get ready and you get all the worship out and you start praising God and lifting God up because as you lift him up, your burdens get lifted off, and then when you pastor comes up, he actually walks and looks at you, and y'all don't look at me like this. <laughs> Some of y'all, when I come in, you, you came in, you miss worship. You act like worship was the appetizer, but you came from the main course. I ain't the main course. The whole thing is the meal. And some of y'all come in here, and you look at me like a cow looks at a new fence. You just be like, this guy's, this guy's done, man. When's he done? I'm watching the clock. This guy is talking still, man. They've beaten us over to Denny's. I need my food. Because your heart wasn't right. It all works together. Some of y'all didn't hear that. You know, y'all, you're used to other churches or other religions or other flows. I'm just telling you, don't come in late to church. Don't come in late to church. I'm not saying you got to be here crazy early, two hours early. You got to be at the other service to come to this service. I'm not saying that. You know. But I'm saying, like, that we need to be able to do that. The second way we do this is our faith in others and from others. Our words work with our faith in others and they're from others. There's something powerful about us speaking life over each other. You know, one of the things you can do with your words this year? I'm going to do a shameless plug. Um, we have these on your, on your seats, but you can go to our guest services and find it, get as many as you need. We call these bring bites. There is such a power in an invitation to church. Most people, just so you know, most people still come to church not because they found it on Google. They found it because they, they were invited. 51% of people said that they would come to church if they were invited. Some of y'all know that to be true in your life because you bring people and you actively invite people and they're just waiting. You, you never know what people are waiting for. Some people are waiting for you to invite them to church. You think that they'd freak out on you and they're waiting for It's like two people are waiting for the same thing, but it's not happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're waiting for you to invite them to church. There's something so powerful about handing them an invite. I mean, we got, we, we got like 18,000 services this Christmas Eve. 
We got like like one on Christmas Eve Eve. For those who are like, we're, we're you know, because we have people who are like, well, we can't come because we go with our families at Christmas Eve. Okay, we'll come to Christmas Eve Eve then. We'll do a service on Eve Eve for you. And then you and then we got five other services on Christmas. Like there's so many services, like I you pray for your pastor, I'm not sure I'm gonna make it. But we're doing it because we and, and, and there's no like by the way, our church doesn't grow from Christmas Eve. Y'all know that, right? Like we do that to serve the community, to serve you, like to serve we don't even even the like we, we like the everybody that comes, most of them a lot of them are guests anyway, like from out of town. So it's not like a church growth strategy, just so you know. It costs us more money, more time, more effort, more energy to do that. Like, there's so many hours of going to Christmas. Like, it's not an easy. We do it intentionally. Why? So that y'all can have a place to invite someone who doesn't know God, potentially, can give their life to Christ. Maybe they receive something that's so special in the holiday season that they never would have gotten if they didn't get invited. Some of y'all need to take five, six to put these on Starbucks, take them to your job, put them in something. You need to walk around your neighborhood. Like, there needs to be some, vi- like, some actual intentionality and passion to doing something like this for God. Why? With our work, when we invite, I'm going to bring, I'm going to tell, you need to come to my church. That's amazing. You got to deal with the pastor a little bit, but it's amazing other than that. And being able to invite someone, encourage, what about encourage? We as a, can I just say this? We as a church and as a body of believers, a spiritual family, as I call spiritual family, we need to get better at encouraging each other. I don't know about you, there's a, like a premium of discouragement in the world. There's a lot of reasons why I should not be happy this Christmas season. So the best thing that you guess, best you give, you can give me or someone else is probably a word of encouragement. Man, I, you look good today. Man, you look like you lost some weight. I mean, I just something nice. You know, if somebody came up, has anybody ever told you that? Has anybody ever, you look like you've been losing some weight and you know you didn't? <laughs> Doesn't it just bless your soul? Like, you'd be like, I'm, I did lose. You even lie about it. I did lose some weight. Thank you for noticing. You know, you say stuff like that, right? Because why? Because just somebody needs an encouragement word. You just need to be encouraged. We need to be able to speak like, let me just say, let me just give a little thought about this too. Because there's camps of our of church. Just like some of y'all don't come from Christianity. So there's camps of church that take this out of context and to the nth degree. Like, they say stuff like, you know, like, well, be careful with your words. You can't say you're sick. Don't say you're sick. Because if you're sick, then God can't heal you. That's the dumbest thing you can say. If you're sick, guess what? You're sick. There's a difference between saying, I'm sick and I can't be healed, and saying, look, I'm sick right now, but I believe in the God who can heal me. There's nothing wrong with saying, man, I'm struggling in my finances. I'm in some crazy debt. I made some bad decisions. I don't know if I'm going to get But you know what? I know a God who can. There's a difference between saying, I'm not going to make it in my relationship, and saying, look, we're struggling right now. We have some issues. But I know a God who can help me in my issues. I believe by faith that God can move it. And just because you acknowledge the season that you're in doesn't mean you're stuck in the season that you're in. So we got to be better at going like, I know where I'm at, but I know this ain't where I'm going to be. I know where I'm going. Because God can do anything. It's not mindless repetition. It's proclamation of faith over your life. You got to get better at speaking faith over our life. And I'm, I'm done. Um, I remember my wife the other day, she gave me a, uh, she sent me a video. I'm not on social media much. Um, and she saw this video recently and 
And was, I thought it was so powerful about words and speaking. and um, It just reminded me of this one point that I wanted to bring up as we close today. I'm going to show it just real quick. It's a real quick video. I just want to show it to you. Say you love me one day. What's so frustrating? What's so frustrating? Yeah? Okay. I don't know what that one, that one is. Drama. 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 So, um, God, it's hard. She has autism. Um, he's nonverbal. She can't articulate what he thinks, what he feels. I, I have a couple of kids. I kind of struggle with that a little bit. Where they couldn't communicate what was inside. And when I watched that, it just made me think, Speaking is such a gift. Such a gift to be able to say what you feel, what you believe, what you think. It's such a gift that not everybody can do that. And that if you can speak, we should do it in a way that honors God. Think of it like this. Speaking in words is a stewardship issue. That you don't even own the words. Remember, they're the king's words. And if the king gives you the ability to speak, we have to steward it well. And I like what Ephesians says, don't let abusive or foul language come out of you. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement for those who, who hear them. That James even talks about whatever is good and perfect is a gift from God. That God gave you the gift of communication, the gift of speaking, the gift of being able to talk. I looked in my son's eyes when he wasn't able to communicate his feelings. And that's heartbreaking when someone who can't do it. And, I, and then I look at that and I look at my own life. And how much I take advantage of the fact that I, I don't even think about my words sometimes. Sometimes I say stuff and I get agitated, I get frustrated. I, I don't want to be the guy that lives my life irreverent of the gift that God gave me to communicate. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe there's some questions to ask yourself. Maybe there's some inner dialogue you need to have. Do you take your words seriously? Do you, do you walk out the things of Christ with your words? Do you think about what you say before you say it? Do you, there's some self-reflection maybe in the words that you can say. And I, I really believe this. I think if we could really focus on our words this Christmas season, I think it'll help us connect, not just at the table, but at our life. And that's my prayer for you today. Will you pray with me, Father? I just thank you, Lord that you give us the ability to communicate and to speak. I thank you that my words are not idle and that I would take them seriously. I pray, Father, every time I open up my mouth, I would think about reflecting you with it. 
that I would think about encouraging others with it, that I wouldn't be jokey all the time, that my sarcasm would limit, uh, that would, would decrease, and that my intentional good words would increase, and that, God, I would be a blessing to those around me with my mouth. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord, to keep negative things from coming out of it. In Jesus' name.